The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now that's a couple of begots in there that my good friend Dr. Alex McFarlane is going to come in here in a few minutes and break the verse down for us. This is Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper, and I believe that uh, my good friend Alex is with us and ripping and ready to go. How you doing, brother? I'm great. Well, we had a great show yesterday, and as always, Jim, we so appreciate you. When when either Bert or myself is traveling, you are so gracious to help us out, and so you're a valued part of this team. But we are in First John, and yesterday had some really good calls, and as is often the case, we weren't able to get to everybody. So, folks, if you were listening yesterday and we didn't quite have time enough to get to your call, try it again. We're going to open up the phones in a, in a little while, and the number is 888 uh, You know, the, the word, when the King James translates the word begotten, that means uh, born of. So those of us who are begotten by God, that's Believers that are, you know, born again, born from above, just like Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that a man has to be born again. But when salvation has been begotten in our lives through Jesus, then what should flow out of our heart in life? Well, uh, love for the Lord, love for the church, love for the brethren, love for our neighbor. Um, So... Love is begotten in our hearts, Jim, because salvation has been begotten in our souls by Christ. Amen. And and it absolutely, I mean, that's where it comes from. Jesus himself said, you know, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by through him. And so mm-hmm. that it's so encouraging to see John write this down. Now, we know that John often referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Aren't mm-hmm. we glad to know that it didn't stop with the Apostle John? Amen. Uh, you are a disciple whom Jesus loves. Amen. And, and so am I. And so isn't it beautiful, folks, to know that Jesus really does love us and our uh, his mercies are new every morning. But i got to read this. This is so beautiful. Um, Verse 2 of First John 5, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous, or it literally means his commandments are not hard to obey. Now, verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Jim, there was an old hymn, uh, Faith is the Victory That Overcomes the World. Uh, folks, aren't you glad in, in a, a world that is, uh, you know, as they say, from the sublime to the ridiculous, it's a fallen world, it's a world very often at war with God, but if you're a believer, you are born again. You've mm. put your faith in Christ, and you are an overcomer. 
And by your faith in Jesus, yes, you will overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so um, I, I just think there's great hope and reassurance in that, that um, th- this whole world is going to go its way. But in Christ, I'm a victor. And, and everybody listening, you are victorious. In fact, Paul writes that we are more than conquerors. That's, that's a pretty good identity to have, isn't it? It sure is. And, you know, a moment ago you talked about overcoming. Uh, we find in Revelation 3.21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. You know, there are great promises found in the Word of God. Uh, you, you know, I think back to the book of John where Jesus shared with us that, you know, we would have tribulation in this world. But to what? Be of good cheer. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he overcame the world. So there is something to be an overcomer, isn't there? Well, there is, a- absolutely. And so don't let the devil lie to you, folks. Don't, don't you believe the lies of Satan that you're, you're, you're done for, you're no good, you're a loser? No, that is false. The truth is you're an overcomer, you're a victor, your name is written in high places, and uh, I was talking to a, a friend, and uh, he was going through some problems with his with his business, some problems at home. But he said, "You know what? Uh, I'm one of the king's kids, and I'm going to make it." And that's true, and that that's not just a cliche. Uh, listeners, you're you're a son or daughter of the king, the king of kings and lord of lords, and so you are an overcomer. Uh, and it's by faith. Now, verse 5, Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. Jim, I love the way that First John, it, it, it sounds repetitive. Um, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you're born of God, says verse 1. If the love of God has been birthed in your heart, then also birthed in you is love for others. And it seems to just, maybe it's, repetition to help drive the point home, but overcoming the world, and who is the one who overcomes the world? The one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. So, uh, friend, do you believe that? Yes. Good. Well, then you're going to overcome the world. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Um, Jim, I'm a news junkie, and frankly, it can get depressing a little bit. I mean, if you you know those of us that are a part of AFA we we do stay up on current events but i got to constantly remind myself when i watch the somewhat depressing news sometimes that hey the king is coming Amen. Um, bill bill gaither was right the marketplace is empty in the courtroom no debate for the king is coming you know well i tell you what um i think of that song and i think of the victory and look forward to the time that the final victory is won, be it in the in my physical passing uh, from this world to the next before Jesus returns or when Jesus returns, and then he takes me with him. Uh, gosh, that we yesterday we talked about terror and talked about being afraid and all of these things. But we find that if we are doing what God has told us to do, if we obey the commandments, uh, and, you know, which commandments are those, Alex? Isn't it a combination of both the Old Testament and the New Testament where Jesus set us straight? 
Oh, yes, a- absolutely. And, you know, I, I realize that even broaching this subject has the potential to make mm. that phone ring. That's why uh, I got, that's why I shot that to you. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jim. <laughs> you're, you're a, you're a great friend. I'm a team yeah. player, brother. A- amen. Well, you know, th- there was the, the moral law and the ceremonial law folks. And do you want, I, I want to be very clear that keeping the law was never the plan of salvation. Uh, always, as Galatians says, it was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, or a tutor. In other words, like, um, and I've actually talked to some born-again Jewish people that said, this is right. I mean, if you look at the hundreds of dictates of the Mosaic Law and, you know, the minutia, I mean, you might say to yourself, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. I can't keep all these God, I throw myself in in your arms of mercy, uh, and that's true. Because see, they would look toward the Messiah that would come. Now we look toward the Messiah that did come, and Christ nailed the the sins to the tree, and they're paid for. The law in total was fulfilled, so we don't have to strive to keep the commandments of the ceremonial law. Uh, but the moral law, which predated, you know, uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the moral law, we don't lie, we don't commit murder, we don't steal, that absolutely is still in effect, and not only is it in effect for us personally, that's the basis for a civilized society, is that we, we live morally, lawfully. But the commandment, uh, in a way, Jim, I would say there's more responsibility on the shoulders of a believer than, you know, and we're set free by God's grace through belief in Christ. But the greatest motivator is love and gratitude, not law and duty. Because, you know, I can imagine trying to keep the Mosaic law and your heart not being right. You know, oh my goodness, we've got to go sacrifice an animal again, and this Mm. is got to go all the way to Jerusalem, and oh, this is going to be messy and expensive. Um, but you see, with Jesus Christ, we serve the Lord, and we want to grow in the Lord, and we want to honor the Lord, not out of drudgery, but out of gratitude. And and isn't there joy in um, doing what we need to do? Jim, I'm sure you remember the name, what an incredible leader, Elizabeth Elliot. Do you remember her? Mm-hmm. She wrote a book years ago, I don't know if it's still in print, I'm sure you could find it, but but it was called Discipline, the Glad Surrender. And she talked about, among other things, the joy. I mean, you want to go to church and grow. You want to serve the Lord. You want to love and forgive. And here's the beautiful thing, and I I know we got to move on, but the beautiful thing about the life of grace and gratitude— the more you surrender to Jesus, the more alive you are, the more joy you've got. Whereas, you, you know, legalism can be very, very draining. Um, Jim, uh, I've, I've met some people, God bless them, but they were legalists. Mm, and, yeah. and they were a humorless bunch, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but grace and gratitude and love and growth— it it fills your tank, not depletes it. Amen. 
Sure does. You know, uh, when we get to verse 6 there, uh, we see that this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Alex, when, when we look at that and we see that, and we talk about the water and the blood, that's talking about the physical birth of Christ. And the the for us, it's still water and blood, because we are born as Christ was, but then we are reborn into the new life that comes by his blood. And mm-hmm. so uh, when, when we come back, I want to share a verse from uh, Ephesians, and we'll do that as Exploring the Word continues. Jim Stanley with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we'll be back with you in the fifth chapter of the God, pardon me, epistle of 1 John here on AFR. singing of the goodness of God, and we can't say enough about it. The Lord is so good to us. Oh my, Jim, we say it, but it's not a cliche. Isn't God good? Absolutely. And, you know, we all, the usual response is that is, you know, all the time. And then all All the the time, time. God is good. God is good. Amen. Did you know Chuck Smith, the um, famed... West Coast pastor, founder of Calvary Chapel, and all that. Did you know Chuck Smith? I did not. I didn't. I never had the opportunity to to meet him. Um, I heard him preach, and um, you know he was a great preacher. And it's been my privilege, you know, working out in Colorado and be, you know, I used to preach in California a lot. It seems like I haven't gotten many preaching invitations in uh, California, I should say. But people who knew Chuck Smith, they said that always, invariably, in every conversation, he would say, isn't God good? And I I just think there's a lot to say for gratitude, and just all day reminding ourselves of the blessings of God, because yes, God is good, and um, we, we read that in 1 John, you know, the love of God, which prompts within us um, just the desire to obey and be faithful. Now, uh, six and seven. This is fascinating because it's talking about Jesus came by water and the blood, and much, much, much has been speculated. What does this mean? And then, of course, verse seven says, "For there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one." Now, these obviously great verses that refer to the Trinity, but let's just talk about the blood and the water a little bit, because um, it's it's interesting with birth, uh, with physical birth. You know, there there is the the amniotic fluid. You know, that's uh, when a woman is going to give birth, they'll say her water broke. But Jesus, even when he was dying. Um, you know, in John nineteen thirty four, they pierced his side and water came out. 
Um, and then, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he experienced a real medical condition called hematidrosis. He sweated drops of blood. And so, Jim, this analogy, and I, know, I realize this is very deep, but Jesus, uh, a miraculous birth, virgin birth, no sin, a miraculous death and resurrection, um, blood and water was part of Jesus' entry into the world. Blood and water was part of Jesus' exit from the world. Right. But see, for each one of us, there has to be more than just the physical birth. There has to be the spiritual birth. Um, and, you know, and it says we've got to be born again. But go go ahead. No, and I, I realize a lot here. This is deep, I know. It really is. And, you know, one of the parallels to that I found in Ephesians 5, when you look at verse 25, 26, and 27, uh, it says, Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it by mm-hmm. crucifixion. And the reason he did that, according to verse 26 there, is that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he mm-hmm. might present in him to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So as we talk about being cleansed by water and blood, the blood, I find that the the saying there um, in Galatians with the washing of water by the word. And then there in First uh, John, we see that used again, that there are three things that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So, Alex, when, when we look at that, when we see the Word mentioned like that, we know it's referring to Jesus, the living Word of God. Amen. Amen. And over and over, the Bible talks about, you know, um, that we've been— 1 Corinthians sixteen eleven talks about the fact that we've been washed— and it's the Word of God, Scripture, it's the Son of God, Jesus, and, uh, you know, beautiful, powerful things. Uh, now, verse 8, in First John 5, 7, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, these three are one. That's a great declaration of the Trinity. Verse 8 says, there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are agree in one, or in a united testimony. That's what it means. And Jim, i got to tell you, um, you remember on the Emmaus Road where uh, we would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at this, it says, Jesus expounded to them, the risen Jesus, all things in the Scripture pertaining to him. And and I, there are plenty of things that we, we see, okay, you know, um, the rock in the wilderness— the, that rock was Christ. Um, but I think there's so many deep truths in Scripture about the gospel. And here in 1 John 5, you know, 6 through 8, I mean, this is deep. You know, the Trinity. See, there's so many pictures of, of Christ. Uh, marriage, husband, wife, God, that's a Trinity. Father, mother, children, that's a Trinity. The husband lays down his life for his bride, just like Christ laid down his life for the church. Um, so there are so many analogies of the gospel, some we know and probably many we have yet to discover. Would you agree, Jim? Oh, yes, sir. I, I sure would. 
um, goodness, there there are so many things here that when you walk through this, you, I think that's one of the reasons John repeated it as much as he did is because it seems so simplistic, but yet it becomes one of the hardest things for us as men and women to do, and that's to trust God. You know, we don't live in a very trusting world nowadays. Uh, we don't, there, there's written contracts that are broken. So th- the, the fact that the handshake no longer is a valid contract, you know, and things like that. But in verse 10, pardon me, in verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. And then verse 10, it's, it's amazing, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to go through all of it because there's a lot there, and I want you to come back and, and discuss it with us. But there, the very first part, part of verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. It's, it, the witness is there because we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that we've talked about it before, that our spirit, Alex, when you and I get together, it's not just you and I, our spirits fellowship together. Amen. And so that's one of the things I kind of wanted to try and point out there. We do, you know, um, and that's how it is with born-again believers, because you have the same spirit inside of you. Jim, aren't aren't there people you meet, and and maybe you've only known them for two minutes, Mm -hmm. And it's already like a dear old friend because you have Jesus in common, you know. And that's how it is when when you and I fellowship. That, but you meet people, and when you've got the same spirit in you, I mean, it might be a, a near stranger, but you're having fellowship like you've known them your whole life. Why? Because you both have Christ in common. It's a very precious part of being a believer, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about this. Uh, this is beautiful, 9 and 10. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. Now, here, here's what God is saying. He that believes on the Son of God, if you've got Jesus, you've got eternal life. And the Christian has this witness in himself. He that believes not God hath made him a liar because he believes not the record that God gave of his son. Now, for a moment, folks, let's talk about the word witness, because in the Greek, it's the word martyr, believe it or not. A martyr, and you think, okay, that's somebody that was executed for Christianity. A martyr is somebody who's willing to die for the faith. And the word martyr in the Greek is, in English, the word witness. Now, Bert and I have talked about this many times, that if you're going to be a soul winner uh, and you're going to be a witness for the gospel, then you're going to have to die, hopefully not, uh, you know, at the point of a spear or something like that, but you'll at least have to die to your fear uh, or your disobedience or your feelings of inadequacy. But here's the thing. The witness of God, verse 9 even God, to get us saved, was willing to be a martyr and die. Mm-hmm. Now, now Jesus was not a, a martyr dying for something he believed. He was a Savior laying down his life 
that the world could be redeemed. But isn't it something that to give us life, God was willing to experience death? You know, when you look at that, and uh, one of the questions that we had yesterday uh, that the caller didn't get to, to get on, and I hope they call back today, but was talking about why Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. Well, he was restoring Peter because Peter, you know, had uh, chosen not to stand up for Christ in that moment. And so when we look at that, Peter didn't believe the record that God had given him, but then he was restored and believed because Christ had that mercy on him and has that mercy on us. He that believeth not hath God made him a liar there in verse 10. But, uh, but the first part of that says, hath the witness in himself. So when Jesus took time to restore Peter, he takes that same time to restore us so that we have the witness in ourselves of, of Jesus and what God had for him to do. Mm, wow. That, that is so powerful. Um, you know, uh, on this show, we love music. Yes, sir. Uh, and if I'm awake, I've got a song in my head, Jim, you know, but the, that famous Isaac Watts song, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't hear that song sung all that much, but it's a song about gratitude, you know, thinking about how much he loved us. Um, I love this verse, and this is this song's 200 years old at least. Uh, it says, I do believe, I do believe that Jesus died for me, mm-hmm. and through his blood, his precious blood, I am from sin set free. So we just want to ask, if you're listening to this show, do you have that confidence? Do, you know, you can have all of the assurance that God's Word promises by simply putting your faith in Jesus. The word faith means trust. And so would you, if you aren't sure, make sure today. Say, Lord, I do believe you you are who you claimed to be, the Son of God. And I believe that when you were nailed to that cross, you did it for me, because he did. And folks, if you just simply say, Dear Jesus, please forgive my sin and save me. Please wash me clean and save my soul. Jesus will do that. Jim, we often say Jesus is as close by as a prayer, mm. but that that's really true, isn't it? It sure is. And, you know, when you were talking about songs, you went to a hymn. I went to a different hymn, but it's the same story. I think you know this one. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For, the, for my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then as it's talked about there in First John, for my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Alex, there are, there, when we look at some of the old hymns of the church, if you will, and some of the new hymns of the church, there's some great stuff out there that talks to us about the witness that's found in the blood of Jesus. And, Amen. And so I'm glad you shared that. Um, we all we talk. We get so comfortable in talking with each other and talking to folks 
that sometimes we forget to share that basic premise that not everybody listening knows what we're talking about and, and doesn't have that relationship. Uh, by the way, folks, if you need spiritual help, we have a ministry partner. And Jim, correct me if I get this number wrong, is it 1-800-NEED-HIM? It's actually one triple eight need him. I'm sorry, eight 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 need him. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and hey, folks, no obligation, no strings attached. I mean, if you just want to pray with somebody, or you just want to make sure that you are born again and that you know Jesus, but if you need spiritual help, eight 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 need him. Uh, dial those numbers on your phone, and I think you'll have somebody that will really encourage you and give yeah. you what Scripture says about being saved. But verse 10, um, you know, this is like some language previously in this book where it says, if we say that we have no sin, we make God a liar. Well, verse 10 says, if we do not believe on the witness of God about Jesus. Now, what has God said about his son? Mm. Well, that he was sent to be the propitiation for the sins of the world. Uh, God and his word says that whosoever will may come. God says, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. So if you, if you reject the gospel, according to 1 John 5.10, you're essentially saying that God is a liar. Mm-hmm. And so, folks, that's, uh, that's not a place you want to be. So accept what God says about Jesus. Accept what God says about your spiritual condition. Amen. Because you either have Christ or you need Christ. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. As Exploring the Word continues here on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. He can move the mountain with the faith of a grain of mustard seed. That's what Jesus tells us. And he can remove that mountain, be it the mountain of fear, the mountain of doubt, the mountain of terror. All of those are within his threshold. Uh, Folks, I'm Jim Stanley in for Bert Harper here on Exploring the Word. My good friend Alex McFarland is with us. Now, Alex, before we get back to the program, I want to take just a second and I want to do a promo for uh, this guy that does apologetics all across the country. Uh, He's a pretty well-known speaker here to our folks at AFR. I want to tell them about Dr. Alex McFarland. Now, they can find... Well, thanks. They can find out where you're going to be or how to bring you where they are by visiting alexmcfarland.com. But something else they can do is... You know, I got an email first thing this morning asking if I needed to be baptized. Okay. And my dear brother shared in there, it says to watch episode 525 of the Alex McFarland show by clicking below. And it's your email. Tell folks how they can do that and what all needs to be done to get you to come where they are. Well, God bless you. Thanks. And, and you know, I just got a call the day before yesterday from First Baptist of Dillon, South Carolina, my friend, Dr. Jamie Arnett, 
great pastor. We have so many wonderful listeners there. But yeah, my my travel schedule is on the website alexmcfarland.com. And, uh, you know, we've got a big event in Stuttgart, Arkansas. I'm going to be there September 24 through 27. That'll be a very, very evangelistic event. And so uh, I'm all over the country, but I would love to come to a city near you. And you know what? A lot of times, Jim, when churches will bring me in, they'll get me at a local college to either speak or... A lot of times at colleges, I'll talk about America, and I'll do Q&A about our Constitution. Sometimes they'll have me debate an atheist in love. But yeah, just um, go to my own website, which is alexmcfarland.com, and uh, let me give the the number for the uh, show. It's 888-589-8840 if you want to call in with a question. But Jim, i got to say this. I was on today's issues this morning. And Tim was asking me about our summer youth camps, because we do, for teenagers, Biblical Worldview Summer Camp. And the website for that is equipretreat.org. But here's the thing, i got to say this, we're, we're trying to woke-proof America's <laughs> teens. I, I could not do what I do without American Family Radio. Thirteen years ago, I don't know if you'll n- know this, but um, July 1... 2009 was when we started, and I want to tell you, I I had done a lot of speaking and traveling, working for James Dobson, but the day that American Family Radio came into my life, my opportunities as an evangelist just went vertical. Mm -hmm. And so, Jim, you're so gracious to give my uh, website and all that, but uh, we're here to evangelize the lost and equip the saved, and isn't it a blessing to do that? Absolutely is. Folks, the phone number again is 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. And, Can I say uh, one last thing? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Dr. Joe Manning is a pastor in Arkansas, and he sent me a book that he wrote uh, on Worldview, and it arrived today, and he listens to Exploring the Word. And so, uh, Pastor Joe Manning, for one thing, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word, and I do look forward to reading the book that you sent me, and I'll, I'll give you some feedback on that as you requested. But, Jim, we're just so blessed, the listeners that we have throughout all 50 states. Amen. Uh we really are, and and around the world as as well through our podcast and visiting AFR.net for some of those podcasts. Well, let's start. We're going to talk to Jay from Texas. Jay, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, um, Hebrews 4.12. I'm having a little trouble with that. Uh, author Hebrews is, is one subject, and then out of the clear blue, here comes the... Uh, him talking about this, and I'm not real sure what he was trying to say. If he's trying to separate all the human aspect of our soul from our spirit, or exactly what he's talking about there, I'd like to get your guys' comment. All right, Hebrews 4:12 says, "For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow." and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Alex, when when I look at that, I see that, that it, it's it, saying exactly how powerful the Word of God is and mm-hmm. that it discerns the thought, 
thoughts and intents of our heart to know that, you know, whether we're being genuine, whether we're putting on a show, whether we know Christ or don't know Christ, because there's coming a time that all of that, you know, we, we talk about the, the dividing of the, the wheat and the thorns and, and how it's waited to harvest to do that. There's coming a time when the harvest is going to separate the believers from non-believers. Amen. Uh, brother uh, Jay, I'm glad you bring up this verse, Hebrews 4.12. This is wonderful. Um, the Word of God is quick and powerful, means living. In fact, in the Greek, it, it literally means living is the Word of God. Now, what does it do? Two key words to look at here, uh, discerning, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. What it lit- literally means is the Bible exposes us for what we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what, it, that's what it's saying. And the word discerning is, um, some translations will say it is able to judge the thoughts and intents of our heart. Interestingly, in the Greek, the word that's translated um, a discerner of the thoughts, it's the word critical. Not not critical in the sense of, you know, criticizing, but it really means diagnostic, uh, analyzing. And folks, here's the beautiful ministry of the Word. Um, it will bring conviction. It will lead us to conversion. It will uh, humble us. It will inspire us. So the Word of God, it is like a mirror that if we're honest, it will show us ourself and how much we really need the Savior. Amen. All right, let's talk to Chet from Tennessee. Chet, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. This is the second time calling. Um, I do have I do have a question. My wife and I, we, we moved up here from Montana, and, and uh, she used to be a Wicca uh, or pagan or whatever you call it. She practiced that stuff, and... I never shoved the Bible down her throat and preached at her and stuff. She just, I tried to live by the Word of God and do what was right. And in doing so, a few months ago, she, I came home from work and she had all her books burned and she asked me about God and, and things like that. And, and she, since then, she's come really strong in faith and she prays every day. We pray with our six year old boy. And I wish I had prayers like he does, <laughs> tell you the truth. But my question is, um, our six-year-old boy, he, he talks about how God, and I didn't really tell him. He just talks about how God gave his son for our sins. And it, it just blows me away how much he knows already. And I never really taught him. I guess I just try to lead by example, by praying about everything and giving thanks and good and bad. And my wife and I are both baptized. She got baptized. And I was wondering about his baptism because he's asking questions. And he, I mean, he, I think he believes more than I believe just because his heart is purer than mine, I mm. feel like. There's something against him being baptized at six. And, and would I be able to bat, do the baptism or does it have to be an ordained minister? Well, let me jump in here for a second, and, and Chet, thanks for listening, and thanks for calling, and uh, uh, we'll certainly pray for you as your your family continues to grow in the ways of the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here, but 
uh, I think it would be fine for a six-year-old to be baptized, but you want to make sure that they understand, and it sounds like this child is well on the way to understanding this, that Jesus is the Savior, and they've put their trust in Jesus, and what baptism is, is it's a, a public way of showing the faith that's taken place in your heart. And so I think you, you need to say, son, that's, that's a fine thing, but it, it, it is not the baptism in water that saves you. Mm-hmm. Salvation is because you've put your faith in Christ. But what you're saying is to the world, look, I'm public about my, the fact that I'm a believer. And also, let me encourage you, and if you guys don't have a church home, find a good Bible-believing church. Part of uh, getting baptized, I think it should be at church uh, by a a minister, although you as the dad can certainly be in the waters of baptism with him and participate. But see, public baptism not only shows forth that you're a Christian, but it also is identification with the local church. You're saying... I belong to Christ, and I'm also part of this church. And so, Jim, uh, I think it's a beautiful thing when a parent uh, is there, or I've seen many fathers baptize their child, but I think it's good to do it in the context of the church, because that's part of what the Christian is identifying with. Would you agree? I agree with everything you said. I I think that um, I had the privilege of baptizing my children, uh, and so it— it's something that you just you don't take it for granted. Uh, I, now I did it with the blessing of the pastor. I want to be clear about that uh, because, I, as you mentioned, Alex, I think it shows that we are part of that local body. But by allowing the pastor to do the baptism, you're showing your confidence and trust in that pastor, which is another expression of being, you know, uh, of that. Now, one thing I want to reaffirm what Alex said. The the youth doesn't matter as much as the knowledge. You know, uh, many young people, especially nowadays, are knowing and understanding more and more about the things around them. And so if the child knows who Jesus is, knows what Jesus did, knows what Jesus will do, then I have no qualms about that. A lot of folks get uh, christening and dedication services, you know, when the child's a baby, folks, all that does is get the child wet. If the if the child, and I know I'll take flack for that, and I'm willing to do that, uh, we dedicated our children, so I want to be clear. You know, it's one of those things. We, we simply, um, when it comes to baptism, I'm all for a young person being baptized if they know who Christ is. So that's the thing. When they're dedicated as children, when they're dedicated as babies, that's just a promise that the parents are going to try and raise the child in the way they yeah. should go. Yeah. Good. All right. Well said, brother. All right. Let's talk to Mike now from Tennessee. Mike, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, I've just got a testimony about tithing. Uh, my wife and I joined the Baptist church. And I'd been a Baptist in my younger days. I'm not out of breath. I'm working in the yard. But anyway, uh, we had uh, we joined the Baptist church here, and uh, I told her, I said, we need to tithe. 
And I, she said, well, what do you think? Can we afford it? And I said, yeah, we will afford it. And I said, it'll pay back rewards to us. Well, about a year later, I'm retired. I get a call for a company I work for. I had no idea I had anything vested retirement or anything like that from that company. They called me and said, you've got a pretty good amount of money here. And then you've got a monthly income that's pretty good. And we just need your signature and sign all these papers and all this. And at first I thought it was wrong. You know, they called the wrong guy. But then uh, I did that. And uh, I credit that to giving my tithes to the church and the reward that God promised. Mm. Well, God bless you, brother. And, uh, you know, the Lord is faithful. And, brother, I, I know from experience, too, my goodness, when Angie and I first got married, uh, we, di- we didn't have two nickels to rub together. And uh, you trust God. You know, tithing is really a matter of trust. It's we think it's financial, but it's really more about our heart. And uh, Mike, as you're testifying, uh, folks, I'm just going to say it: if you give to God with a spoon, He'll give back with a shovel. Uh, and and we we don't give to get. We we obey God in our tithes and offerings because it's the right thing to do. But Jim, I have found that that you can't outgive God. Amen. Uh, that you're you're absolutely right. Uh, Alex, I don't think we're going to have enough time to really get to another caller as we're coming up on the end of the program. Cherry and uh, Selena, y'all go ahead and send your questions to word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net, or you can try again tomorrow afternoon during Fire Away Friday. You're certainly welcome to do that. Alex, one of the things we talked about as we were coming out of the break is how folks could get in touch with you, but I don't think we mentioned how they could receive your email, you know, your your two or three time a week email. How did they do that? Yeah, uh, if you just e- email me, this is super easy. Alex at alexmcfarland.com. Just A-L-E-X. Alex at alexmcfarland.com. And all the articles I write, anything I write, uh, I'll send it to you. No, no strings attached. Just send me an email and we'll put you on the email list. Amen. Thanks, Alex. Folks, this has been Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper with my good friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. And we encourage you to tell someone about AFR, tell someone about Exploring the Word, but tell everyone about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.